This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. Five bucks a month gets you a bonus episode and ad-free episodes. Um, hello. It's been it feels like it's been a month. It's been two weeks feels since like I've seen you. A million years. Sorry, Dottie decided this is the perfect moment to attack her toy. Cool. And sure, we could hold off recording until she's done, but that's to never do. gonna happen. Right. <laughs> Um, as we are taping this right now, Katanji Brown Jackson just got confirmed. Yay. Yay! She won't actually get on the court until like June, until this term ends. Sure. Um, and as someone uh, said, on, I'm sure more than one person said on Twitter, we can look forward to some very interesting dissents for uh-huh. many, many years to come. That's great. But um, I did see, like, one thing that stood out is I saw uh, Senator John Ossoff of Georgia t- just tweeting like, I'm heading to the Senate floor right now to vote to confirm Katanji Brown Jackson. It's like, God, the improbability of that tweet uh-huh. like two years ago. Yeah. A Democrat senator from Georgia? What? <laughs> a black woman getting nominated and confirmed to the court? What? Uh-huh. And like Democrats having the ability to even get a vote because had Mitch McConnell. Uh, been in charge of the Senate. Oh, yeah. They were never going to allow that to happen. Oh, they would have stalemated this until we we're all dust. Yeah, um, so... Did you meh. see uh, Senator Cotton's cool and chill uh, remarks uh, was about it her? it racist? Um, or was it about women? Uh, it's, you know what? It's confusing is what it uh-huh. is because... All right. He said, um, Tom, Senator Tom Cotton said, uh, the last Judge Jackson left the Supreme Court to go to Nuremberg and prosecute the case against the Nazis. This Judge Jackson might have gone there to defend them. Right. So basically, he's mad at her for being a public defender who had unwholesome clients. And this is the thing. If you believe in the justice system at all, then part of that is everyone gets a lawyer. Everyone gets representation in court. Even if you genuinely think someone is totally guilty, that person deserves to have a lawyer make a case Mm -hmm. for them in front of a judge. That's kind of the basis of the whole system. You would think a guy who went to an Ivy League law school, which I believe Cotton did, Did would understand that. But he's like, oh, she would have defended bad people. Yeah, that's how the that's legal how, system works. It's just such and if a it wasn't puzzle. that, he would have again. There's a thing of like Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee was like, she can't define what a woman is. Here's the thing: they would have found anything. anything. They were always gonna figure out something. It's like, well, she once like spelled something wrong on her sixth grade test. Somewhere, right. I so mean, can't be a justice. These people Ugh. are the ones who believe the justice system is like fair and even and blind, even though it seems like rich people tend to be a lot less guilty than poor people. I don't know. But like, yeah, people need a defense lawyer. That's the point of our country, my dude. <laughs> like, I think that was one of the top ones that they kind of wrote down pretty quick. Right. Uh, they were always going to find something, but again, they found 50 Democrats. Right. And here's the thing that I think surprised me a little bit, maybe not that much, which is Democrats had 50 votes plus mm-hmm. Kamala Harris. They had the votes to get her confirmed. Right. Even Manchinima wasn't going to get in the way of this. Right. They've been good about judges. Yeah. And if she was going to get confirmed no matter what, that should have been like a blank slate for a bunch of Republican sure. senators to say, yes, I will vote to confirm her because my vote won't make a difference. And like, look, then I get the added benefit of saying, listen, I am a fair senator. I look at everyone's resume and she was qualified. Like plenty of Democrats did that with like John Roberts or Sam Alito. It's like, well, she, he's going to get confirmed. Right. I'm going to go ahead and say yes, even though I don't like everything he's going to do. But it means you can't attack me for saying I'm a partisan hack or something like that. But here's the thing. And none of them did except for like the three, three, three of them. But it's. Um, Not more. Even Lindsey Graham, who's usually been fine right, with judges, right? Uh, he even he's like, nope. Like, well, do they did they give any reasons when they? They said, don't have to. They don't have to. Of course, not. they made up some. Some of them made up their own reasons. That's fun of them. But anyway, oh, I wanted boy. to start this one with actually a bit of uh, happy news, mm. kind of, sort of, um, and it's mostly because I. As someone who is very cynical about all things political. You? Right. 
Um, every now and then there are those lawmakers who do amazing things for the right reasons. And it's like, oh, right. This is what happens when you elect smart people mm-hmm. who know what they're doing and care about the things we care about. Right. This is what happens when you get those people in office. <laughs> um, and so this is in Nebraska, which is a red state with a governor who's Republican. It's technically nonpartisan and they just have the unicameral legislature. So everyone's a senator. Sure. And if you had to give a label to it. Yeah, it's a Republican-dominated legislature. Technically, they don't have those labels. But it is a red state in all senses of the word. Uh So it turns out uh, they were about to pass a total abortion ban. Hmm. This is the bill that was on the floor by uh, proposed by Senator Joni Albrecht. Mm -hmm. And the bill would have held doctors criminally liable for performing an abortion. Doesn't matter what the reason is, unless it's saving the life of the mother, basically. No excuses. So if the woman was raped, if she was the victim of incest, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. If a doctor performs an abortion, he could be going to jail for 20 years. But the way this bill was written, it technically said, you know, if a doctor does anything that I guess is optional, it's not to save the life of the mother, um, and an abortion occurs, then the doctor could be punished. So that means in vitro fertilization where abortions embryos can be destroyed that could be punishable by 20 years in prison what about an ectopic pregnancy if a woman's health could be in danger very much so um if you try to rescue the woman in that sense uh because you're not trying to save the fetus enough i don't know what the deal even that would have punished the doctor so that's the backdrop for this bill. It was so extreme. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they had other options. They could have gone with like these stupid uh, six weeks, oh, then no abortions. They could have done gone that route. They didn't. Those bills, there were two of them, mm-hmm. they didn't get anywhere. But this extreme one was the one the Republicans and the state decided to push forward. So last night, okay. is, they have a lot of bills. They have a week left in the session. All these senators, with all of whom have their pet passion projects, uh-huh. they all want to move certain bills sure. to the finish line before the deadline approaches. And this is the one they decided to bring up because they figured, I assume, like, we got the votes. Let's get this one through sure. to uh, Pete Ricketts desk as governor or something. Um, but here's the problem. They wanted to get this through. The liberals in the Nebraska Senate, the the handful of them, because they're not a majority, were like, we're fighting tooth and nail to stop this thing. Mm -hmm. And they were pretty much led by Senator Megan Hunt, (laughs) who is a progressive lawmaker. I adore everything she stands for. Uh, By the way, she happens to be an atheist. (laughs) Just interesting. But she was kind of leading the filibuster charge against this, saying, we're debating this. I'm speaking out against this. And one of the things she said, I'm reading from an article here, Senator Megan Hunt of Omaha, who led the eight-hour filibuster, described a legislative bill, 933, as, quote, a church bill brought by, quote, Christian religious extremists. While senators criticized Hunt for taking time away from discussing other amendments, Hunt said that was her intent. You're going to wait eight hours because I'm driving this ship and it's an eight hour cruise. Yes, <laughs> Megan, Megan, so Megan. Basically, she's saying, I know you want to pass this bill and then you think you're going to add these amendments. Uh-uh. This is the bill you wanted to bring to the table. Jesus. This is what we're going with. And I'm going to like fight you on this version of the bill right now. Mm-hmm. Um. And as she's filibustering, knowing that a vote could be coming, the only way to stop it is for all the conservatives in the Senate to override the filibuster. To do that, they need a supermajority mm-hmm. of all their votes, which would be 33 senators. Okay. Um, so I, she made she kept talking, obviously. It's a filibuster. She's <laughs> talking a lot. But I want to bring up, she brings up later in her speech, like, this bill bans IVF. It bans Plan B. It prevents helping women who have ectopic pregnancies, dot, dot, dot. Proponents of this bill have no shame left. Mm -hmm. I will cherish the time that I have worked here forever. But when I am term limited and she has to leave, I will probably not talk to most of you ever again. Yeah, girl. If you think my my 11-year-old should be forced to give birth, you are not my friend. Yes. I'm, I'm getting to even the better part. Um... Here's then she then she goes with her threat. Let me explain to you how it's going to go down if this bill moves forward today. 
if this moves forward, the first thing that'll happen is I will open on a motion to indefinitely postpone the election law bill that's coming up next. If this bill moves, colleagues, that bill doesn't move. To put that in English, if you move forward with this anti-abortion bill, I'm going to make sure none of your other conservative shit gets anywhere. And does she have that kind of leverage? I believe she does. Just through filibustering? Through filibustering. Uh Like, I know you all have a bunch of stuff you want to get done. Uh Basically knowing I can't stop you on everything. I'm going to be the pebble in your shoe from here on out. But if you want to fight for this bill, I'm going to make sure you don't get to get to your other shit that Uh you want to do. So she goes on to say, if this bill advances, she's going to indefinitely postpone, uh, file motions to postpone the bills of every supporter of this bill. Because to me, yeah, this is personal. Then we get to the kicker at the very end. Um, And if I go to the pearly gates and meet your God someday, which sounds great, I hope I do, I don't think I'm going to get in any trouble for killing all of your bills who vote for this. I don't think your God's going to have any problem with that. And I don't think I'm going to see any of you there either. Holy shit. Which is the nicest way I've ever heard a secular politician tell her conservative Christian colleagues, you're going to burn in hell and God's on my side, not yours. My God. I feel (laughs) inspired and so greatly humbled. Like she is the person who's doing the real version of what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what? They needed 33 votes to override the, the... filibuster and they only had 31 she got that bill stopped in its tracks and they don't have time to bring up another one like it because they only have a few days left megan hunt dude and by the way she is up for re-election this year um she it this is her uh she got elected in 2018 it's time for her to run for office again the primary i believe is next month and then she's up for election in november uh, seriously, if you're listening, go Google her and contribute to her campaign. I, I just right followed now, her. Right? She's amazing. Um, and she's how, she'll how she'll dare be, she also be gorgeous. That's very <laughs> annoying. Of she'll her. she'll be the first to say this. Um, it's I'm giving her the credit here because she was spearheading this thing. Uh-huh. She is giving credit to all those people, some of whom she said who helped with the filibuster. Those were not easy votes mm, for them. Mm-hmm. So kudos to all those Nebraska senators yeah. who stood up there. They did the work. They can't stop. And this is a thing we've talked about. Um, Ernie Chambers, legendary lawmaker in Nebraska. He was there for 40 plus years in the state Senate. Um, term limited out many times over. Keep and then he's in. like, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to run mm-hmm. again. And then he keeps getting elected. Um, he was amazing. And one of the things uh, she overlapped with him for a year or two. And she said this before, like one of the things he taught her is like, you're not going to get your way all the time because you're a progressive lawmaker in Nebraska, but you can fight for what you believe in. Every now and then you can get something done. Ernie Chambers, by the way, fought to overturn the death penalty in Nebraska. Not an easy thing to do. And after like 40 years, he finally got his colleagues Mm. to overturn the death penalty only to have the governor like veto it. it. God damn it. But the point is like you can make change or at least in this case be a thorn in everyone's side Mm -hmm. um, because it's so important. I think um, there's a group called Run for Something that tries to help people who are activists and care and passionate Mm -hmm. about progressive causes, but they don't know how to get started running for stuff. Um, I think she's one of their... Uh, people like she went to them and said, I want to run. I'm I care about this stuff. I want to fight. And they helped her get what she needed to mm-hmm. get her campaign off the ground. She won that race. And look at what she's doing. Now. That's great. amazing. That's really inspiring. Um, what an amazing lady. Let me jump to. OK, I'm jumping to this other story because it is about a uh, progressive black judge who Republicans are not happy with. And it's Jackson? not <laughs> and it's not Katanji Brown Jackson. Okay, I was thinking about how do I tell this story? I even made a video about it. It took like a long time to try to figure out what's the best way to explain what the hell just happened. Because um, because of everything happening in the world right now, this story is getting happening? nowhere. This story got <laughs> no attention because of all the other shit. But okay, I'm going to try to make sense of this. You okay. tell me if I lose you. Oh boy. But I'm going to try to make this make sense. Here's what they were trying to do. 
There was a man named Joseph Woodrow Hatchett. He died in 2020. Legendary judge in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to find a way to honor this guy. Mm -hmm. Legendary judge. They said, let's name a courthouse after this dude. Okay. Which is a thing that happens regularly in this country. So um, it didn't get anywhere. Not yet. Okay. And it's because Republicans realized, nope, wait, we don't like this guy. So this is the, that's the overarching story. Okay. Let me tell you the details. And this judge here. is dead? He's dead. Okay. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, this guy was uh, Judge Hatchett. Hatchett. Uh, was the st- Florida's Dopey. first black Supreme Court justice. He was appointed to the Supreme Court in 1975. Okay. In 1976, he had to run for that seat to keep it because he got appointed because someone else Is had to step that, down. Okay. So he got appointed at the last second to f- f- finish off a term for somebody. Oh, I see. And then see. he had to run again in 76. Oh, I see, I see. And then he became the first uh, <laughs> black judge like the first person to win a statewide contested race in like florida wow uh i'm trying to get the exact wording right and of course i can't find it in front of me perfect but that's that's that so he was there in 1976 wins that race Mm -hmm. gets to keep that seat on the supreme court in 1979 president jimmy carter at the time nominates him to the federal bench okay and he soon gets elevated to the uh Appellate court, mm-hmm. which is a step right below the Supreme Court. Right. And he stayed there from 1979 to like 1999. He was there for a while. At, for a couple of years in there, he was the chief judge oh. um, of that appellate court. Um, and was then, he mm-hmm. lined up to be in the Supreme Court? Did no, people think he was going to be? Okay. I don't think so. I mean, that would have been uh, with... Ronald Reagan at that time. So, so no. odds are no. <laughs> so yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> so, but it doesn't matter. Like he okay. was there. He was a powerful judge in Florida. Mm-hmm. And here's the kicker for all that. In 1959, when he took the bar exam in Florida uh-huh. to become a lawyer, he had to take his exam oh. in a hotel that did not allow black people to stay in it. That's the sort of racism this guy had to overcome. So he goes to that hotel. Can you imagine? He takes that bar exam. He passes it, goes on to have this type of career. So when he dies in 2020, Mm -hmm. of course you want to honor this guy. And a Florida Democrat, uh, Democratic Congressman, Al Lawson Jr., he introduced a resolution uh, last October Mm -hmm. to rename a federal courthouse outside Tallahassee the Joseph Woodrow Hatchett United States Courthouse and Federal Building. How controversial was that bill? It wasn't. Right. Because... Every single Florida congressperson, uh-huh. every one of them, Democrat, Republican, all of them, not only said we support this, they signed on to be co-sponsors of the bill. Because like everyone in Florida sure. said, yeah, we want to take- This is our guy. This is our guy. We yeah. all want to take credit for this. Marco Rubio and Rick Scott, on, in the, the two Florida senators, both uh. Republican, both said, yeah, we're on board with this too. They got their Senate version of this resolution passed by unanimous consent- like, no one objected. Not a single Republican in the Senate said, I want to fight this. No, they got it easily okay. passed in the Senate. All that the House needed to do, yeah, you can go through the legislative procedural hurdles. I just need a but, rubber stamp, bud. But right? if it's something so not uncontroversial, yeah. if two-thirds of the House say, yeah, we're all fine with this, mm. they can send it directly to Joe Biden then. It's, it's a fast track yeah. to a bill like this because, again... No one's mm-hmm. fighting this thing. Can you explain to me why it's a national thing that would... Uh, why it's, it's a not federal a fl- courthouse. That's gotcha. why. Okay. It's not Thank just you. a Florida state gotcha. uh, courthouse. Okay. So that's why it's a Congress thing. Okay. So again, two-thirds vote. Well, guess what? Every Democrat's fine with it. Right. And again, Republicans should be fine with it, And it's it already too. gone through the Senate. It already... Is- yeah. All like 40... I'm um, sorry. All 50 Republican senators. All of them were fine with it. No one objected. Unanimous consent. Okay. So this gets to the Senate. I'm sorry, it gets to the House. Mm -hmm. They take their vote. 60% of the House votes for it, not 67%. Every, pretty much every, I think all but one. Democrats said, yeah, we're cool with this. And then all, I forgot which one, probably some stupid reason, but a whole bunch of Republicans decided, nope, we're not on board with this. This is the uh, hill they're going to die on? This is the hill they're going to die on. Cool, guys. And again, this doesn't mean the people People are dying, but whatever. (laughs) This... Doesn't this mean black the, guy definitely needs to get his. The Jesus bill is not Christ. dead, but now it has to go through all these procedural hurdles. To me, it's like if you go to the airport, there's like the TSA pre-check line. That's right. what this bill was doing. Right, right. It was cutting through the line saying no one cares. Like you've been vetted. 
Let's just get this through. Now all these Republicans are like, no, 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 go through the regular line. That's the annoying thing. (sighs) Okay, so what the hell happened that got all these Republican House members to say, nope, sorry, we're against this bill. Here's the story of that. Okay, in 1992, Hmm. yeah, we're going back. Okay, I was seven years Uh, old. (laughs) In Florida, the the Duval County Public School District, they used to allow chaplains to perform prayers at graduation ceremonies. I was wondering why we were talking about this. (laughs) And it's like, why are chaplains? Like, I thought prayers weren't allowed at high school graduations. Formal prayers are not allowed there. Actually, that wasn't the case until 1993. That's when a case about chaplains at graduations got to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, you can't do that. (laughs) You can't have Christian prayers formally at graduation ceremonies. That that case was called Lee versus Wiseman. And the Supreme Court said school-sponsored prayers, administrator-approved prayers at graduations. Mm-hmm. No, you can't do that. Right. So now that ruling applies to Duval County. Okay. But the administrators don't want to go along with it. They want to find a way to, like, still have their prayers at graduation. Okay. So they come up with an attempt to circumvent the law. Here's what they do. They say, okay, so the problem is we were inviting chaplains to deliver these prayers. We can't do that anymore. Let's let's just have all the graduating seniors vote for one of their classmates sure. to deliver a speech before, after the ceremony. Whatever religion they have, as long <laughs> yeah. as it's Christian. Anyone can say anything they want, mm-hmm. and we're not going to look at their speeches, wink, wink. And, you know, if those kids deliver a prayer... Well, we didn't know anything about that. Aren't schools like underfunded? What is the No, focus sorry, this is here? the only thing they do in Florida schools now. It's it's this. Sure, good. It's okay, this great. and you can't say gay great, great, great. and that's okay. Good, good, good. So no this no is, Florida as usual. <laughs> yes. And so guess what happened in nineteen ninety three? Of the seventeen high schools in that giant district, uh-huh. ten of them voted for these graduation speakers, and guess what? Ten of them had prayers. Christian prayers at graduation. Like, of course, their loophole did exactly what they intended for it to do. They got prayers at graduation. So there was a lawsuit filed that year by a bunch of graduating seniors who are like, you you are violating the law. We know you're violating the law. And you know you're violating it. And you know you're violating it. But the problem is they had just graduated. They don't have legal standing anymore. That lawsuit didn't get anywhere. Oh. And it wasn't until 19, I think, 1998... That another challenge saying the exact same thing, which is you, you have public prayers at graduation. You can't do that. It wasn't until 1998 that a lawsuit actually got somewhere. Wow. And because of the uh, yada, 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 it gets all the way to an appellate court. Neat. And guess who's one of the judges on the appellate court? Mr. Hatchett. Uh-huh. Judge Hatchett happened to be the chief judge of that appellate court at the time. Coincidentally, he was assigned to this particular case. And of the three judges that heard the case, him being one of them, uh-huh. him and one other person said, you guys, the hell are you doing? Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Oh, he was being intellectually honest? Yeah. Weird. And what he said For is, judge. our review of Lee versus Wiseman and cases from other circuits leads us to the conclusion that, del- I'm paraphrasing here, that delegating the decision about prayer or message to the vote of graduating students does not erase the imprint of the state yes. from graduation prayers. Yes, so yes, saying, yes. look, if the administrators say, eh, just vote on a senior to give right. a speech, it's still school-sponsored. Mm-hmm. Even if you say, well, we're not looking at this. Everyone knows you have something to do with this. Right. Like, don't, right. don't lie right. about it. So if you don't like activist judges, and if you want all your judges to respect precedent and respect the Constitution and respect the First Amendment... And you think religion should be left to families and not the schools. Right. You would think, yes, that's a great decision. We're totally on board with that. Republicans should have been like applauding that decision. Right. But because they found out about this lawsuit mm-hmm. and, and this ruling from Hatchet, all these Republicans are like, oh, no, we're supporting the guy who said forced school prayer yeah. that everyone has to be subject to is a bad thing. We can't get on board with this. 
And here's the thing. We don't want a building to be named after him in Florida. This is now their greatest <laughs> mission. The yeah. heroes of our age. And which Republican is the one who basically shoved this ruling in everyone's faces saying, you guys, Ew. this guy was Rubio. against... No. no. Rubio was fine with it. Rubio well, had I no thought, pro- right? I just assumed... He- oh, no, 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 you're right. This is Congress. Oh, right. it's Congress. Now it's, it's Congress. in the House. Now it's in okay, the House. Okay. It's a guy named Andrew Clyde, who's a representative from Georgia, what of all places. that? But Andrew Clyde is the guy who's like, you guys, he's against Christians. He's anti-Christian. True, Starts my sending- dude. Slow your roll. Mm-hmm. He's also one of the three members of the House to vote against the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, which would have made lynching a hate crime. He's like, nope, I'm opposed to that. So brave, these uh, men. He oh, spread plenty so of lies about Katanji Brown-Jackson. He called the January 6th insurrection attempt a, quote, normal tourist visit. And by the way, there are pictures of Andrew Clyde on January 6th in the house, trying to barricade the doors no. and freaking out. The look on his face is, holy shit, what's going on? He has that look on his face, and he's the guy who's like, that was a normal tourist. Yeah, it was fine. It? I had fun. That's the guy all these Republicans are listening to and chose to vote against fast-tracking the Judge Hatchet bill. Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Here's the... Okay, get this then. <sighs> of the 147 Republicans who decided to vote no... On fast-tracking this bill, 10 of them Mm -hmm. were from Florida, Mm. which means 10 people who were co-sponsors of the bill to rename the courthouse said, I can't vote for this thing. You're a sponsor of the bill. It's so funny when people talk about how, like, leftists are so, like... Like, we demand everything and, like, blah, 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 and nothing's good enough, which mm-hmm. is true. Like, even little progress people, which I understand the criticism. But good Lord, at least the Democratic Party isn't focused on torpedoing <laughs> building names off a reasonable, like, a reasonable ruling by a judge. It's it's absolute insanity. It's absolute mayhem. One of the Republicans who it's decided... It's court. Like, it's insanity. <laughs> One of the Florida Republicans who is a co-sponsor of the bill, uh-huh. who also voted no to the bill, uh-huh. is uh, Byron Donalds, who happens to be one of only two black Republicans in the House. Wait, he voted... He voted against the renaming um, because, a- you know, nothing... Wow. Yep. And one of the other ones was Matt Gates, which, yeah, well, that's the only thing about the story that makes sense. His stupid hair. <laughs> oh, I hate how he looks with his hair and his head. It's a pits. Every time I have to see it, I'm annoyed. Mm-hmm. That's why this is such a good medium for me. I don't have to see his stupid head. I can just make fun of it. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump to a story about Mubarak Bala. Mm-hmm. Um, a f- this is so frustrating. So, This is a guy who was accused in 2020, April of 2020. He was uh, accused of blasphemy. Oh. And what did he do? He allegedly posted on Facebook criticism of Islam. It was deemed as blasphemy. And basically, they charged him, locked him up, like, right away. It was a campaign for two years of free Mubarak Bala. Like, Uh try to get this guy out because we don't know if he has a lawyer. We don't Mm. know if his lawyer has access to him. We don't know if he's in a kangaroo court or if he's actually going to get a hearing. No one's seen this guy forever. Mm -hmm. And a lot of international humanist groups were working, trying to help this guy out as much as they could. And his whole history is just... Jesus Christ, what this guy has gone through. In 2014, Mubarak's, Mubarak Bala's own family placed him in a mental hospital for the, quote, crime of being an atheist. Oh boy. Um, when he was eventually released, there were threats on his life. Uh, the Associated Press did an article about him, and he's like, you cannot send a videographer or a photographer mm-hmm. because I don't want anyone knowing where I'm living. Wow. I don't want them to see me he if possible. He was in danger. Yeah, and then in 2020, as things die down from all of that, he's arrested again. Basically, Mm -hmm. a group of lawyers sent a letter to a judge in Nigeria saying he's been, um, uh, quote, been writing stuffs on his Facebook page that are provocative and annoying to the Muslims. Specifically, they said he insulted Allah, and that would, quote, incite Muslims and provoke them to take law into their hands. Blaming him for what extremists might do 
if I got arrested for being annoying on social media, I would be in jail for the rest of my life. Twitter would shut down the, if annoying people were not the allowed. The prospect of your crime is you were annoying Muslims, buddy. I mean, Um, here's where it gets even scarier. Nigeria has 36 states and Mm. 12 of them are allowed to operate a parallel legal system where Sharia law takes uh, precedence as well. And that's where they were trying to get this guy. And it's like, why are you trying to get him in one of these states? Because it's not like he made the Facebook posts from there. It's like us in Illinois. Execute him? Is that, that what they're trying to do? Like, that do they... seemed to be the case. Jesus. And so they were uh, blasphemy in a state that's run by Sharia law. Yeah. Yeah, that has a death penalty as a consequence. Fuck. Um, now, initially, the lawyers who wrote that letter to the judge, they said the punishment for what they were accusing him of would have been like two years in prison and a fine. Mm-hmm. But if he was guilty in that particular state, uh, K-A-N-O, Kano state, Mm -hmm. uh, then blasphemy could be punishable by death. So it's like, this is why all these international humanist groups are like, we need to help this guy right now because this this is scary. So finally, he did get a lawyer. He did get in front of a judge in the Kano State High Court. And we found out he was charged with multiple counts of causing a public disturbance because those Facebook posts were deemed blasphemous. And even though he had said he was innocent, he basically pleaded guilty. Sure. Partly because it had been two years. He's like, I just want some closure. Uh-huh. Like, I can't live in this limbo anymore. He pleaded guilty, hopefully thinking, if I plead guilty, maybe you'll give me a lighter sentence because I admit I'm doing something wrong. Uh-huh. Um, well, he did get a lenient sentence because they're not going to execute him okay this week we found out uh he's just going to spend 24 years in prison including the two he's already been locked up oh well time so served that it's just that's so 22 what, years from now jesus Christ. yeah he's uh how old is he 37 i think so that's, something like that so that's what he was punished with this week. So he'll be 60 when he gets Something out. Like, yeah, it's not the rest of his life necessarily, but it's the rest of like the prime of his yeah, life. Yeah, it's the rest of his adulthood. Um, this is from Dr. Leo Igwe, the founder of the Nigerian Humanist Association. The humanist community in Nigeria is utterly shocked by the sentencing of Mubarak Bala for blasphemy. It is utterly disgraceful that a court in this 21st century could convict an individual for making innocuous posts on Facebook. Today is a sad day for humanism, human rights, and freedom in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. The sentencing of Mubarak Bala is a stark violation of the rights to freedom of expression and freedom of religion or belief. We urge the authorities in Nigeria to ensure that this judicial charade does not stand. And to be clear, they can appeal this decision, and they are going to appeal the decision. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those, like, is that actually going to work? I don't know. (sighs) That's, That's really scary. Yeah. Um, I Just to point out one other thing, Humanist International, they actually pointed this out on their website uh, because they highlighted all the procedural irregularities mm-hmm. that happened in this case. And here's the list. He was presented in court for the first time 644 days after his arrest. Christ. Like, he was just held up. He was denied access to medical care. He was held without charge for 462 days. Oh, my God. He was denied access to his legal team for more than five months. The court hearings were subjected to repeated adjournments. The Cano State Police Commissioner repeatedly refused to comply with an order issued by a magistrate requiring the police to give Mubarak Bala access to his legal team. They haven't com- the Cano State authorities have failed to comply with the ruling of the nation's high court that determined he should be released on bail. Like, basically, this court did everything wrong. They mm-hmm. did whatever the hell they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the decisions shouldn't stand. I've seen, by the way, U.S. religious freedom, like government-run mm-hmm. religious freedom groups speak out against this. Wow. Um, even like Tony Perkins, the religious right activist who is on that religious freedom thing, because Trump appointed him to it. Oh. Even the guys like that are like, yeah, this is ridiculous. That should not yeah. happen. But it doesn't matter right now because I don't think any of that carries any weight. Right. So 
uh, I just want to lay out this. This is the case. This, if you saw headlines, I saw a million headlines about mm-hmm. this. I don't know how. I don't know if people just kind of glossed over the headlines if they saw it. But obviously, blasphemy, as it's been said, is a victimless crime. Yes. No one deserves this. His sentence should be overturned. Um, I just don't know if even appealing this ruling is going to get anywhere. I hope it does. I just don't necessarily have confidence in their justice system hmm. that it'll happen. Oh, boy. God. That's scary stuff. Going to move to a less uh, intense <laughs> story. Um. So a couple of years ago, I made this long podcast about mm. the Pledge of Allegiance oh, and I the history to it of all. it. You did not. No, I didn't. I'm no, so you sorry. Didn't. It's I'm okay. Um, but it went through the whole history. I downloaded of- it all, so you got credit. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it went through the whole history of how the pledge came about and yeah. the controversies involving in it. It's uh, if anyone's interested, it's called Church State Sepa- uh, uh, Church State Separation um, versus uh, the Supreme Court versus Church State Separation. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Uh, I'll leave a link in the show notes. Anyway, the reason I bring this up is I spent a lot of time in there researching like the history of how the pledge came about. Because mm-hmm. if you asked me before I did any of that research, where did it come from? I would have told you, well, I heard this guy named Francis Bellamy wrote the pledge. Mm. He was like a Baptist preacher, Baptist minister. I knew that. I also heard he was like a socialist. Oh, but he was bro. like a Baptist minister who wrote it. And maybe it was like a promotional thing. It wasn't like he was trying to get everyone to do it necessarily. So I didn't know the details necessarily. Here's what actually uh, happened there. This is the story that everyone has known uh, who studied this stuff for a long time. Uh, yes, he was a socialist. He was a Baptist minister who preached like a very liberal, relatively liberal form. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like he was a socialist. Jesus and was a socialist. What, Let's help what the What decade board. was this? Uh, 1880s, 90s, okay. around there. Okay. So at some point he start, he quit the ministry because I don't think they liked liberal preachers. In his <laughs> he goes to work for a magazine Something's called... Something's never changed, I guess. Yeah, he works for a magazine called Youth's Companion. And it just a, it's a magazine for, like, aiming at children, yeah. right? Like, fine, whatever. At one point, they were like, how do we get people to buy our magazine? And they're like, well, you know what? Let's offer free flags with every subscription. Mm. Like, it's a promotional. It's sure. like a tote bag. It's yeah. the NPR tote bag of its time. And they're like, well, okay, so we, we are giving away U.S. flags with subscriptions, no one really wants a flag. How do we make people want flags so that they'll buy subscriptions to our magazine? We got to pump up people using the flags more. So at some point, they're like, well, it's like the late 1880s. You know what's coming up soon? Like in 1892, it's the 400th yeah. anniversary of Columbus, like oh. whatever, 1492. Yeah. Columbus, quote unquote, discovering America. So like we can hype that up. Now, what can we do in the years leading up to it to really make people want flags? It would be great if every school needed a flag. And like, here we are with plenty of flags in our warehouse. Like, are they talking like little flags that you wave at a parade? Or like a flag that you hang? I think they were giving away little handheld flags to subscribers. But Uh they were like, but we have a shit ton of flags. Sure. We got to find a way to do this stuff. Uh, So he really wanted to see a flag in every school in the country. Not because of patriotism, but because it was good for business. And so at some point, they're like, we're going to go all out and promoting this Columbus Day spectacular uh-huh. thon. And they even published in their magazine, like, hey, hey, teachers, here's we listed out the program of what your classrooms can do. It's like, you can you can do this. You can do that. Here is a pledge you can recite. Here is the salute you can give, which we would now call like the Nazi salute. Oh, whoopsie doodle. That was the original salute. Not hand over your heart. It's arms raised, right arm raised Ooh, straight out. Ha- yeah. Heaven wouldn't even do that in my house it's just called, now. <laughs> go Wikipedia the Bellamy salute. Good times. So they're doing all that. Uh, there is, you can actually see I'm the looking. page from the magazine where they listed out all this stuff. And I know we've spent, if you've heard anything about the Pledge of Allegiance Oops, in the years since then. Um, yeah. That's they, an upsetting image. Yes, it Bunch is. Bunch of small children in maybe the 50s, Nazi salute. No, it must be earlier than that. Yeah. Nazi saluting an American flag. Yeah. They look like and they're maybe And then after nine. World War II, they're like, let's do, you just put your hands over your heart, kids. Yeah. Anyway. That's how I learned my right from my left. <laughs> They've changed it like three to four different times since the printed version in uh, 1892, obviously in the 1950s, they added under God, but there have been some smaller changes even outside of that. Okay, that's the story that I told 
in the podcast okay. in lots of detail that I have forgotten about. You mean now. the lie that you told? That's the lie that I told <laughs> because that was the story as we knew it. Finally, I've captured you. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the interesting thing about the Youth's Companion issue okay. where it published the pledge. There's no byline on it. It's just put out sure. by the magazine. Uh-huh. Um, but everyone involved with the magazine always said, there, there was some controversy over who wrote it, but mm. Francis Bellamy said, yeah, I wrote it one, like a month before that magazine came out. That and issue is it came the out. one we know is now Sands Pretty oh much. God. Right. Okay. Pretty much. He's like, I wrote that thing a month before. And even colleagues of his at the magazine gave him credit mm-hmm. for writing it. So like, that's why he's always been credited with writing the pledge. Right. So here's what happened. Here's what's interesting. And this was in the New York Times, I think, uh, this week or last week. This is where the story's coming from. Okay. So it turns out there was a historian named uh, Barry Popik who was researching the pledge's origins for some project he's working on. A podcast? Are you going (laughs) to sue him? I know. I will get (laughs) on him. But he was looking through old newspapers at the time and like how people were dealing with the pledge or something. And here's the story, though. That magazine I just mentioned that listed the pledge and the program Uh for the big Columbus Day Spectacular-a-thon, that (laughs) is dated uh, September 8th, 1892. Okay. And... uh, Francis Bellamy said, I wrote the pledge in August of 1892, a month before. Okay. So August of 1892, remember that. That's when he said he wrote the pledge, and that's what everyone basically agreed with. Okay. So this guy, historian Barry Popek, is researching the pledge, and he finds a copy of an old newspaper, like on microfilm or in the archives somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Ellis County News Republican, like a newspaper in a small town in Kansas. Mm -hmm. And in April... Of 1892, there was just a random article in the paper about a class that was saying the Pledge of Allegiance. What? And they included a copy of what the kids were saying. And guess what? It looks like the Pledge of Allegiance we know today. This is 1892, but it's April. April. Okay. Not August, when Francis Bellamy said, I wrote it. It's a matter of months, not years. Right. Okay. But months prior, this classroom was saying the Pledge. And they didn't say, like, the classroom created the pledge. Right. They were saying the pledge. Okay. So who the hell wrote this thing that they were saying? It seems to me that it's probably just that Bellamy misremembered when he wrote it feels like the most obvious. Bellamy misremembered when he wrote it? Yeah. Maybe. But, like, you know, he's long dead. But all the history that we know about the pledge said, no, he wrote it in August of that year. Like, did he lie? Because no one was ever accusing him of lying about it. But it's like, well, this historian finds this newspaper article from April, and he's like, okay, something's up with this, because the date on the newspaper is correct. Right, right, right. They were saying the pledge, but it was before it was supposedly written. There's something is wrong with the timeline. Who's lying Was there a wrinkle in the matrix again? Right, exactly. So here's the thing. Um, Here's uh, the students in Kansas in April. Here's what they were saying. Uh, I pledge allegiance to my flag... And to the Republic, I'm sorry, and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, inseparable, with liberty and justice for all. It's a little different from oh, the pledge we know today. But like, if, one, if you, wrote, if you wrote a novel and someone else said, well, here's my version of it, it's like, those are identical. Yes, 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 right? yes. Okay, so it's like, well, then who the hell wrote this thing? So this is what the New York Times points out. Um, there is another story that was floating around that was never really given much credibility okay. that in 1890... Two years before Francis Bellamy wrote it, some 13-year-old schoolboy from Kansas, because they were trying to sell all these flags, they in the magazine, they said, hey, we're trying to uh, promote patriotism. Uh-huh. Send us your poems or whatever to promote patriotism. And like any magazine contest, it's like whenever you send something to us, it's we get the rights to it or mm-hmm. whatever. Some 13-year-old bo- schoolboy said... I submitted a thing to the magazine that was the pledge, um, and they never responded to me. They never published it. And so this dude is just walking around his entire life like, I wrote the fucking Pledge of Allegiance. (laughs) Every person knows my art. Pretty much. So like in 1890, this 13-year-old kid, whose name, by the way, is Frank Bellamy, (laughs) coincidentally. Sounds exactly like Francis Bellamy, but so I'm not going to say this kid's name again. That's hysterical. But in 1890, a 13-year-old boy submitted to the magazine the pledge, and then two years later, it gets published in the magazine, and later on, Francis Bellamy 
seems to take credit for it. Interesting. So that would explain, though, if that's true. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't know if that's true. But if that's true, that would explain why other schools in Kansas appeared to be saying the pledge later on, because maybe it was circulating at the time, you know, oh. in their communities. Um, <laughs> but how would it have gotten out if he just, like, Right, if he just it, sent it to them. Right. We don't know that all those details. That still doesn't follow, right? Yeah. Like, because... Like, regardless of whether he stole it or not, whether that, like, and there's, of course, the, like, what's the thing where two people parallel something, where two people have the same invention at the same time, but separately, but you know what I mean? Like, is that, because it's a pretty obvious thing. Like, I don't know how it got out. Maybe he used it elsewhere. Maybe it was something he had submitted. Maybe it got out. I don't know the details, but one, um, a guy named- he, like, found it, and it's like, I guess I wrote this when I was drunk. Yeah. (laughs) At 14, Yeah. A guy who works at Yale Law School, Fred Shapiro, who's an associate library director there, he basically said the newspaper article that the historian found, Uh which was dated May of 1892, talking about a classroom celebration from April. Okay. He said that clipping makes it look, quote, very strongly that Francis Bellamy could not have written it and less strongly but compellingly that points to Frank Bellamy, basically saying... If this clipping is accurate, Uh Francis Bellamy did not write the pledge. Right. And maybe that 13-year-old kid totally did write the pledge. We can't confirm that. But man, that that theory looks pretty good. (laughs) And the kid's still alive? Nope. Nope. Kids kids long gone, too? Um, Wow. That's a really low-stakes mystery. Right? (laughs) Season two coming soon. I also want to point out, like, That's there really are weird. so many problems with the Pledge of Allegiance, not sure. just the under God bit, which is a no, problem in itself. It's the cultiness of it all. <laughs> it is, yeah, if you're trying to promote patriotism, then forcing everyone, basically, or pressuring everyone to say a uh, prayer, really, to right. why you love America. Like, if you got to so force kids weird. to say a thing, how much I love you, like, it's that's so not real North patriotism. It's Korean, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Dear it's leader. been said before. If any other country oh, my God. said their version of the pledge, and they just did it every day at the beginning of school, and honestly, we, would call, we know what we would call that. A cult. Yeah. If, um, North Korea, if we said, yeah, in every right, North right. Korea school, they get, the kids got to get up and pledge how amazing North Korea is, yeah. we'd say, oh, my God, look at the brainwashing there. Oh, it's, but also, the pledge says we have liberty and justice for all. No, no. we don't. So no. that, that's the reason a lot of kids have protested it. But plagiarism, oh, by the way, here's another one that I think was less known. Mm-hmm. Francis Bellamy, the guy who clearly now did not write it, he was also a xenophobic, Trump-like bigot. Of course. You know why he wrote the Pledge of Allegiance? Because all these immigrants uh, were coming in from non-European countries. And he's like, you got to stop pl- You got to stop talking about your homeland yeah. and pledge allegiance to the American flag. Yeah. And I want to point this. This is what he actually said. What's so good about fucking Germany? What's so good yeah. about France? Yeah. It's America. Um, he Fuck. had no problem with European immigrants, but he lamented the newer wave of immigrants. And I wanted, this is in the podcast, so I remember this vividly because uh-huh. I was shocked by this. Chinese immigrants? Um, no, not at the time. That okay. was later. But he said from Italy, he said, yep. we are receiving the vilest yeah, yeah. elements. From Poland and Russia, he said, came, quote, expelled Jews who Oops. will not labor with their hands, but choose to be parasites of tenement houses and worthless vendors. And then he lamented non-white immigrants saying in a speech, there are other races which we cannot assimilate without a tower, without a lowering of our our racial standard, which should be as sacred to us as the sanctity of our homes. That's eugenics, my dude. That man is a eugenicist. That's the guy who got praised for being a socialist liberal minister. Oh. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. So like there's so many mess. reasons to not be on board with the Pledge of Allegiance. Who knew plagiarism was added to who so could be added to funny. that list? Uh, really and also if you're not American or didn't have to say it Listening to high school students at eight thirty in the morning go, I'm mm-hmm. is truly one of the most depressing sounds you can hear. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I didn't have a great time in high school, but just imagining a like a room of teenagers, it's eight thirty in the morning, and have the kids are stoned for some reason. <laughs> Apparently, kids get stoned before they go to school. Are you jealous? 
I mean, kind of. Yeah. I wish that was an option for yeah. me. I would have been Honestly, even worse student. <laughs> Fran- saying all that stuff, it's like, you know what? If you're Francis Bellamy and like they're saying, no, dude, you didn't write the pledge. That's a gift because the pledge yeah. sucks. Yeah. You should, the ghost of Francis Bellamy <laughs> should be very happy right now. Oh, I love things like it's like how the um, national anthem is based on an old British drinking song. Just like <laughs> everything that we think is beautiful and sacred yes. is like a ripoff and not even a good one. <laughs> uh, let me jump to Lauren Boebert, uh, the Colorado conspiracist. What did she do? Here's her tweet. You tell me what's wrong with this. Oh, okay. We require people to be 21 to purchase alcohol beverages and 21 to purchase tobacco products. Why is it so unreasonable to require people to reach a certain level of maturity before making life-altering decisions about their sexuality and identity? Basically, you can't be LGBTQ until you're 21. Uh, well, I mean... Uh, I... <laughs> First of all, alcohol harms you, and tobacco harms you, and being gay or trans is not harming anybody, except, I guess, conservative Christians who wish they didn't exist. Also, just because legally we think that that's the deal does not mean it's (laughs) how it works. See prior weed notification about kids (laughs) in the morning. I Like, how old do you have to be to declare yourself straight? I'm pretty sure it's lower than 21. It's... It sucks. It's sad. I'm sad about it. I've heard so many... What a mean thing to say. Yeah. I have a six-year-old. I can't... There are a number of people have been like, ooh, do you have any crushes at school? And it's cute, and we laugh about it. Ew, it's not cute. It's It's gross. It's fine. But it's like, yeah, because they assume she's straight and all that stuff. But it's like, yeah, it's a joke people make because, of course, kids have thoughts about, like, crushes or their friends or whatever. People call their infants a little flirt. It's weird. But nope, you got to be 21 before you're allowed to be gay or trans. By the way, all this is... Have sex or kiss anybody until they're twenty one because they happen. haven't decided doesn't if happen what anywhere. their sexuality is. Nope, they, they also haven't bought any gender specific clothing nope, at that none. point. Everyone's mm. abstinent and a robot until twenty one, at which point everything gets very confusing very quickly. Um, by the way, when it comes to making life altering decisions, North Carolina and Alaska allow fourteen year olds to get married. Uh, most other states, including Boberts, Colorado, allow marriages for people under 18. Uh-huh. She also, by the way, Lauren Bobert thinks it's fine for kids to carry firearms because she sent out a Christmas picture with their kids holding their guns, which could be life-altering, I guess, depending on how good they are with them. Um, and you know what also is kind of a life-altering thing before you're 21? Dropping out of school and having a baby, yep. which are two things Lauren Bobert did before oh. she was 21. Hmm. But uh, God wanted that. I retweeted a tweet um, that says 2020 GOP platform. Don't let teachers say LGBT stuff around my child bride. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yep. Like this sort of. Because in Tennessee, they want to, they wanted to pass a bill strengthening like man-woman marriages. And they have like the wording of it would allow for child marriages. That's what that one's about. they don't care about kids and they don't care about girls and they don't care about women they care yeah. about being right i still can't believe anyone fell for and the fact exclusive. that they care about women's sports <laughs> no, that's truly my favorite thing oh. all of a sudden people Ask are like them to name their favorite mean, wnba teams you meet teams not even players <laughs> oh my god you mean a trans woman beat somebody in a Mac League swimming competition. <laughs> this oh, is my Lord. favorite league. I pay attention to everything that goes Jesus on. I, I know we talked about this last time. I'm pretty uh, sure we talked about this last time. The person who took like 17th place and said, I'm very mad yes. at the trans person who beat yes, me. It's I like, girl, what about the other? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, here's, here's maybe good news. Oh, a new research, uh, Pew Research Center survey came out this week and they basically asked people like, what do you think about people who say re- they have religious objections to taking the COVID vaccine? Like, what do you think about that? 67% of U.S. adults said the people who cite religious objections are basically full of shit. 
That's interesting because guess, how, guess what the percentage of, of people in Illinois who are vaccinated? Oh, God, what? 68%. Oh, there we go. So <laughs> the Venn diagram is a circle. <laughs> yeah. So most Americans understand that when people say I have religious objections, yeah. they don't care about religion. This isn't about God. They don't it's like being just, told what to do. Yeah. It's just Christians who want to lie to get out of stuff because that's what their morality teaches them. Correct. Everyone knows it. At the same time, unfortunately, when... Uh, only 32% of people said if a workplace has vaccine requirements and someone uses a religious objection, mm-hmm. uh, should they get to keep their jobs? Um, Fired? I'm sorry. Uh, like, uh, should they, should workplaces ex- accommodate, accommodate yeah. religious objections? And most people, 65% said, yeah, they should accommodate religious objections even though 67% okay, said, we know they're full of shit. feel like the same. I know. Those seem like, well, if you know they're lying, then how come you're fine with them getting away with it? But unfortunately, that is the case. I just, I don't know when we're supposed to believe people or when we're, they're liars. That's always really hard when it comes from like this sort of thing of like, they certainly don't believe rape victims because so, they're liars. And they, but they know Christians are lying to get out of stuff, but they're okay with that. Yeah. So this is those the headline. people lie, but it's good. <laughs> Women who, people who have been raped lie and that's bad. This is the headline from Pew Research for one of their charts. Even among Americans who say religious objections to COVID-19 vaccine mandates are, quote, just an excuse, mm-hmm. most say objectors should keep their jobs. Which, if you know they're bullshitting... And you know it's going to be harmful to all of us. Uh, well, you know, we're good old U.S. of A. We're all independent. We're all, <laughs> we're all islands unto ourselves. You know what surprised me? It doesn't take a village. It takes me. <laughs> they broke those numbers down by subgroups. 52% of white evangelicals said religious objections are full of shit. 55% of Republicans <laughs> said religious objections are full of shit. Quiet part out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And again, vaccine mandates are toothless without enforcement. Right. So if people are not getting vaccinated, right. I don't care what, unless it's a medical reason mm-hmm. and they have like a doctor's note. Right. No, fire them or make them get vaccinated yeah. and like they'll get over it um, or lose their Ugh. jobs, whatever. I don't have sympathy for them. It's very frustrating. Um, one last story for you uh, as I pull this thing up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, where is it? There it is. Okay. So this is a football story. Um, football American or football football, football? football, the one no one else cares about in the world. Got it. So, yes, American Gridiron. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to take you back to like 2015. The oh, Florida boy. High School Athletic Association, kind of the nonprofit that runs, organizes Florida high school sports. Okay. Uh, they had their state championship. We do this in Illinois. A lot of states have their version of this. They had their state championship for the class 2A teams. So that size school. And it turned out two of the teams that made it to the state championship that year in 2015 happened to be two private Christian schools. But they were allowed to play. uh, They they make those accommodations. Even if you're a private school, you can compete for a state championship. So one of the Christian schools went to the stadium where the state championship was being held Uh and basically said, hey, uh, can we use the loudspeaker at the stadium to broadcast prayers before the game for our fans and for the teams and And whatever. And everyone said, no, that's inappropriate. That's it. Yeah. The executive director said they were playing at the Citrus Bowl, like a big stadium where they do college football games and stuff because they were playing in a public facility and the organization was a public organization run by the state. It's a government facility. Okay. Um, They can't allow a prayer over the loudspeaker. You can do whatever you want for your own team. Sure. It wouldn't be illegal, by the way, for the Christian school's football team to do a prayer before the game because it's a Christian school. They're not beholden so like, to separation of church and state. No one is saying you can't do that. Right. Go ahead, pray. You can pray silently. I don't know if Christians know this. You can pray silently. I think Jesus and you, talked about that a fucking lot. Yeah. Um, and God can probably hear you if you believe in that sort of thing. <laughs> And by the way, they also said the state championship game is televised. So also for that reason, we're going to say no to your request yeah. to hijack our PA system right. here. So all of that made perfect sense. And then there was a lawsuit filed. Sure. After the game. No there simply has the to be. Yeah. It's children's sports. We need to sue as many people as possible. Yeah. This is how we should teach children priorities. If you don't get your way, you sue. 
the uh, Christian Legal Defense Group, First Liberty, sent a letter to the Florida High School Athletic Association saying, you know, we, we need to hear from you in 30 days. If that does not happen, uh, to apologize to us and fix this in the future. Sure. Uh, be prepared to fight the issue in federal court. Either apologize now or in front of a judge, said one of their lawyers, <sighs> even though the state didn't do anything wrong. And do you know how hard it is to say Florida is right? Florida did it yeah, right here. This is not They're not our the normal drum we bang yeah. is Florida's doing <laughs> a great job. So basically, First Liberty did sue. They said um, both teams prayed on the field, but spectators and fans couldn't hear or participate. Oh, can you thus, imagine? Thus, by denying access to the loudspeaker, the FHSAA, the Florida High School Athletic Association, denied the students, parents, and fans in attendance the right to participate in the player's prayer or to otherwise come together in prayer as one Christian community. Jesus Christ. Don't like, these people have actual problems? No, 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 they don't. Um, so anyway, I'm going to skip over all the legal nonsense that happened over the subsequent years, okay. which is to say this thing has gone back and forth in courtrooms over the years. Sometimes they said you, you some of you can't sue, then they sue again. And it, anyway, okay. uh, it finally turns out uh, this week that a judge finally issued a ruling on the case dismissing it. The judge issued a 38-page ruling saying no constitutional violation occurred. Great. And she even called them out on their bullshit. This is great. This is, um, I want to get her name right here. Uh, this is from District Judge Charlene Edwards Honeywell. Um, and she said in her decision here, contrary to Cambridge Christian School's argument, communal prayer over a PA system is not the typical practice at events not hosted by CCS, Cambridge uh -huh. Christian School, or not occurring on CCS's campus. The evidence shows that when visiting non-Christian schools, CCS defers to the home team's tradition, and CCS would not request prayer over the PA system. Uh -huh. It was acceptable to CCS to not pray over the loudspeaker when it played an away game at a non-Christian school because, according to their former head of school, that's honoring the facilities that you go to. Yeah. So what the hell are you doing now? She goes on to say, on the facts of this case, the court concludes that communal pregame prayer over the PA system is a preference of CCS, not a deeply rooted tradition that rises to the level of a sincerely held belief. Yes. Oh, my God. Don't Man. you love when somebody just like gets it? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not like, yeah, I see what you're trying to do here. And I know it's bullshit. And you know it's bullshit. <laughs> Can we all just recognize what it is it's so frustrating oh, good and times. how much money was wasted yeah right i mean it's first liberty is a nonprofit legal group they get donations specifically to fight these bullshit battles but also like man there's so many people who work there that are that are basically fine with these bullshit lawsuits yeah. they genuinely think this is the problem that yeah we couldn't force christian prayers on everyone oh no we're being persecuted it's so bad it's terrible i just wish to like private Muslim schools would get to the state championship and try to pull this. I would and maybe then love that. Are there private a, Muslim schools? There are. Is there a private satanic school? Again, would be nice just for this mm. reason. Anyway. Private Muslim school with a football team. They would have it. They yep. have. They exist. Okay. I believe you. Yep. Uh, were you on yours? I think You I'm weren't done. Muslim? I was. Yeah, that's the reason I'm not on the football team <laughs> ever. The, C um, the Jane school, the special Jane school you went to didn't have a football team because yeah, it didn't believe in violence. It was flag football and I... And everybody hugged at the end. And it didn't work either. Yep. I did theater for a reason. Yep. All right. I'm done. Um, what you got? Quickly before we go, um, if you are in the New York City area, um, I am going to be there on June 10th and I am tentatively planning a meetup. Um, in Brooklyn on the evening, uh, I think that's a Friday, that uh, June 10th. So um, mark your calendars. I will get you more information as I can. I'm thinking of going to the Hinterlands, which is owned by one of the um, uh, Flophouse uh, podcast hosts. So anyway, 
just looking into that, so mark that. Um, I have a few uh, things I want to talk about in the bonus episode. Before you get to that, oh, yep. I'll, I'll give my shout out to where I'm going. Oh, yeah. Um, in a couple of weeks, at the end of this month, April 24th, that's a Sunday, I'm going to be speaking in uh, Winter Park, Florida, um, and details on <laughs> speaking that. Speaking of Florida, you heard so much good about it, you want to check <laughs> it out for yourself. Yes, I'll be speaking at University Club of Winter Park. That is sponsored by the Central Florida Free Thought Community. Awesome. So if you're interested, if you're in the area, April 24th, uh, check out the Central Florida Free Thought Community on Facebook. They have all the details there. Cool. Um, and then my topics that I'm going to present to you, Hammett, for uh, the bonus episode are as follows. Martin McDonough's Hangman. It's a play. Um, Oprah Demick's. It's a podcast. Two documentaries. One called The Puppet Master. One called Jimmy Savile, Britain's greatest something, something, murder, terrible person. Uh, fondue. I ate fondue. Um, I bought some highlighters and I'd like to talk to you about them. Um, a guy with giant Trump flags got went to my dog park and scared the shit out of me. Um, some reason I wrote 420, but I don't know why. Oh, I think just, it what? It, I think I just about. wanted to say that, uh, it's really a good thing that last week or whenever it was <laughs> 420 episode and I wasn't yes. here because we had no plan. Right. This is episode 421. So yeah. we didn't get to celebrate yeah. for I mean, episode 420. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to hang out here. I've got a vape if you need it. Um, Done. and also the flags that have started invading my life <laughs> is something that's very important that I need to discuss with you. We'll get to two of those stories. <laughs> In the bonus episode. All right. Uh, you can find Jessica at... Jess Bloomke on Twitter. My Etsy shop is Bitches Get Stitched Done. I've gotten a few orders in from people that I'm super stoked to start working on. Um, some really fun ones. I'm doing a fun uh, Carl Sagan one about, uh, you know, the quote of, if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first create the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing that for somebody. So it's all great. Hemant, you are on Twitter at... At Hemant Meta. Go to onlysky.media to read articles. And again, if you like this podcast... Go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. We will see you next week. Bye.